0: And good evening, good evening, folks. Thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful Tuesday evening. And if it's a Tuesday evening, you know what that means. It's time for Change Matters Solutions. We do this each and every Tuesday here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It's 7 o'clock here in Big D, Dallas, Tejas. It is 8 o'clock on the East Coast and it's 5 o'clock on the West Coast. And if you're in the mountain time zone, hey, you do the math. We've got another great show lined up for you. So stick and stay and don't go away. And remember, tell a neighbor, tell a friend to join you.
1: I'm your host, Kenny Hendricks. And I'm your host, Colette Williams, and we've got a great show for you this evening. I can't wait to get started to talk about talk with Jillian Henshaw about farming and what she's doing in that area. It's a great, great job that she's doing. So you do want to stick and stay. You don't want to go away. You do want to be a part of this conversation. Stick and stay. Don't go away, as Kenny Hendricks always says. I think that's a cute little rhyme. Stick and stay, don't go away. So that's what we mean right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network where change does matter. You know what? Ken, you sent me that uh, that article about the people in Englewood.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: What in the world is going on? I don't believe the things that are going on. It's just too crazy out there.
0: Yeah, I just me. don't
1: believe. What yeah.
0: is it? People have you know like like you always say they've lost uh the humanity you yeah know? Uh, and you saw my my little text I put in there said someone says, hey, there's a house party in Inglewood, I will pass
1: I will pass you know? because yeah. I
0: mean any and, and unfortunately um and I hate to start throwing blame but with a lot of the young people this is the way it is, this is the way it is, and it is it is it is really, really tragic. It
1: is tragic. It Whether really it's a hip hop concert,
0: yeah. uh, uh, a house party, things going. there, it's, it's like you can expect there to be shootings.
1: Yeah. And, and you can expect tragedy. Yeah. Something's going to happen. And kids nowadays think and feel like they're invincible. It's yeah. not going to happen to me. And oh, well, if it does,
0: you know, yeah, hey, yeah.
1: cool, you know
0: or they just don't care like you said they don't know, care some of the kids that you work with uh, at the school we're talking about I know yeah. I'm not going to make it past 25
1: yeah. Uh, you know, yeah it and becomes they, a
0: self-fulfilling prophecy
1: it does and, and they don't say 25 a lot of them say 18 a lot of them say 21 most of them don't ever say 25 because they don't even expect to get there because they've seen so much tragedy they've seen their friends gone family members gone parents gone Everybody around them gone. So their feeling is that, oh, well, what's next for me? So they don't have any way of looking at it. They have no other way of looking at it. And they have no reason to value life. They have no reason to value life because they feel like, oh, well, you know, what the heck? This is it. This is it. Which is absolutely horrible. It doesn't seem like there's a a day that we can get past hearing about some tragedy. Not one day goes by that we don't hear about a tragedy. And it's getting to the point where I'm a person that watches the news all the time. I'm getting to the point where I don't want to see the news. I don't want to hear what's going on because all of it is tragedy. All of it is, it it takes away whatever great feeling or whatever mood
0: one could be in. Yeah, I've stopped watching the news. Yeah, I I used to be a news junkie and I'd watch CNN and MSNBC and back and forth and watching, watching. Now for a different reason, all that stuff, that's also a reason, but with the politics, the way things are going, I'm not watching because it is so... We are in a, such a state you know in this country right now and maybe in the whole world but in this country we are in such a state that I I, I never thought we'd see yeah and things are really really bad out there.
1: they could really they are be
0: worse yeah. yeah but could they be better yeah but when you put an idiot in charge for 48 four years and and we're trying to clean up after those four years yeah and, and, and
1: uh, trying to clean up after those four years. And it really doesn't seem like people clearly understand that this is now cleanup mode. I was surprised when Joe Biden said that Kamala Harris is going to be his running mate in 24. He's going to run again. I was really surprised to hear him say that. In fact, uh, yesterday, I think it was, he had a hot mic. Oh, that was great. And he, <laughs> that was yeah. great. I,
0: I was waiting for somebody on the left to come up with something like that.
1: And he Gotta called that person an SOB.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, his the father works for Fox. They both work for Fox News. Yeah. Peter Ducey and his father, Steve Ducey on The Five. And they're a bunch of wackos, you know, more of these people who, and, and you know, we've gotten to a point where you can show people empirical data.
1: facts. Yeah. And doesn't it matter.
0: Does not matter.
1: Does not matter. Yeah,
0: they say these things, and I just saw uh, Ronnie Jackson, who used to be the the doctor, said that it it just came out that the CDC was inflating the numbers of COVID deaths. Of course, he doesn't cite any source. But the next thing is, you know, Fauci, Fauci should be jailed.
1: I mean, oh my on. god! Cite and if this. they right, if they if he's he's inflating the numbers, excuse me. Could you back this up a little bit? First of all, Fauci doesn't run the CDC. Right. He (laughs) doesn't run the CDC. But not only that, he inflates numbers on COVID. Well, you got a maggot that sat, that lived in the White House for four years that not only inflated numbers, but now they're talking about all the lies he told with all of his personal dealings. All of the lies that he told and he inflated one of his hotels inflated real he what? And you know what really? during,
0: during the campaign when that came out that he was doing this stuff his followers said things like oh well, he's a real estate people they always do that
1: yeah that uh-huh. is illegal yeah no, no matter right that. no matter how you slice it it's illegal it is illegal fraudulent. right and i i'm just praying that the the ag in new york gets him she vowed to get him. She went on public television and said she was not going to rest until she got him.
0: Well, you know what? If if the Democrats don't do something about this from a legal standpoint, I I, I don't know what to do. Because well, there's I, so much, there's so much evidence out there. Right. Against I, I, I him. Can't, I can't. I don't know if I can bring myself to vote for them again.
1: I don't I you know what? I, I told just, you i threw mean, thrown away.
0: What, what I, do you need? What do you need? All the evidence is there.
1: Right. I threw away my my damn car, because the Dems just are so weak and so silent and doing nothing. They're not standing up for anything or anybody. And the people of this country, those people that voted to put Biden and all of the others in office, their jobs are supposed to reflect what the people of this country want. Yeah. They're not doing it. They're not doing
0: it. I was talking to a friend of mine and, and he was saying, well, maybe, and I'm hoping this is that they are gathering so much data that you you can't refute it. They, but you know, but I, I don't have a whole lot of faith, but I'm hoping maybe that's what they're doing. They're making sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted so that they nobody can say a thing. Maybe that's what they're doing. I mean, during, during the, when, when, when Hillary was running against him, I said, you know, I hope somebody's in a basement getting all the dirt on him as possible and they didn't do that. Yeah, you know, all the stuff they could have gotten, they didn't do. So I'm hoping somebody's doing it this time because he I mean, so if he gets away with all this, what I mean, what what uh what's left? Yeah, there's no reason
1: that you he know, should get well, away with
0: can anything. How can you how can you
1: no. you get subpoenaed and you say, and, No, I'm not uh, going. Right, and you say I'm not going. The next thing should be jail. Yes, that's automatic jail. Oh. And, and speaking of which, our guest Jillian Hishaw, she's an attorney. She can she can tell us that's automatic jail. You get a subpoena. That means you don't have a choice. You got to be there. And if you do not show up, that's automatic jail. That's automatic jail. So it it what's going on is really. Really, such a slap in the face to the people of this country on both sides because he's a clown and this is a mockery of a system. It's a mockery of the democracy. And how in the world could anybody want all of this to continue? We're in a state of flux because of the maggot, and we're running around trying our best to get out of this because of him. And he should be held accountable for every person that lost their lives since 2020. January 2020, he needs to be held responsible for every life that was lost.
0: You know, I mean, when he said it will go away like magic, I mean, that should be grounds for impeachment right there. You're in charge. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and then telling people to inject bleach Bleach and that oh he was only kidding. Yeah. Uh yeah no he wasn't. You're yeah. lying. No yeah. he wasn't.
0: And, and stick a lot, maybe some some ultraviolet light in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. it'll all change when the weather changes.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah 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 all all these things and and people people continue to follow him. And again they're not supporters they are followers. They are followers they like Jim Jones had followers. They are followers. They drank the Kool-Aid. Like uh, uh uh Charles Manson had followers like Adolf Hitler had followers these people it it, it is it is insane the level of cognitive dissonance that's going on with these people the types of things that they say hey this is okay and that's okay and i'm seeing things where they're still criticizing things that obama did you know yeah yeah and 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 this guy it's i I, i've started running out of words
1: yeah yeah i i've I've run out of words and you know what, we've got Jillian Hishaw on with us, who is an attorney, and I'm sure she's got a lot to say about this, but she also has a lot to say about the book that she's written. She's got a lot to talk about when it comes to farms, family, agriculture, resource management services. So she is a ray of light. We're going to start this uh, discussion with Jillian. And as I said, she knows, she's an attorney. She is a fabulous attorney. She knows what the laws are, and and I'm sure she's got an opinion about this also. Let's, Let's get Jillian in here, Ken. Let's get her in. Jillian Hishaw Esquire, MacArthur Foundation Awardee, is the author of Don't Bet the Farm on Medicaid and Systemic Land Theft, and the founder and CEO of Hishaw Law LLC, Family Agriculture Resource Management Services is an international nonprofit that works to protect land ownership for rural farmers while reducing hunger in the farmer's community. Hishaw has donated nearly 2 million pounds of produce in five countries and has saved millions in land assets. In 2017, Hishaw was recognized as a food change maker by Cliff Bar. That's great. That's impressive. And has been interviewed by Old Magazine, The Atlantic, Vice News, The Washington Post and so many more. Hishaw has 20 years of professional experience and was voted by Food Tank to be one out of 5, one out of 15 women changing the food systems in the world. As a philanthropist, Hishaw has raised thousands of dollars for charitable food programs and has been interviewed by a variety of academic newspaper and podcast outlets including Intentional Talk Radio Network. Additionally, Hishaw has published several law review and American Bar Association newsletter articles published in outlets such as Politico, the Drake Journal of Agriculture Law, the Journal of Food, Law, and Policy, The Atlantic, and more. With degrees of the yin-yang, bachelor's degree in biology from Tuskegee, law degree and legal master's in agriculture law from the University of Arkansas, At Fayetteville. Welcome, 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 Jillian Hishaw. Thank you for joining us this evening, right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. How are you?
2: Well, good. How are you doing?
1: I am good. Ken and I are both doing well. Thank you for being a part of this broadcast this evening. We are really excited about you being with us. Really excited. Tell us. uh
2: Do I need to be on camera or?
1: Well, that would be nice. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. Let's see. Well, you know what? It's, it's zoom and everyone says the same thing. Uh Oh, I'm not camera ready. (laughs) So so I
2: have, I've had those days.
0: It would be nice to see you on camera. It would be. Yes. I
2: just, I, yes, I, I didn't know that this was a camera interview. Um, my lighting isn't as good so will this be recorded? Um,
0: no, we're not, we're not recording the, the video piece, and it's not going out over live or anything like that. It's just oh, uh, it's okay. recording the, the uh, audio for the podcast. But, uh, you know, it's just okay. kind of nice to put a face with the, with the voice. Yes,
2: yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Okay, well, let me get situated here, but we can continue as I get things acclimated a bit.
1: Okay, and, and please don't worry about the lighting. We, uh, my lighting isn't that great, so we're we're gonna be fine. You you will be absolutely wonderful. We've seen pictures of you, and you're gorgeous. So
0: oh, that's, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to be rude, but yes.
1: <laughs> so so don't worry about your lighting. You're with us, and and all things are very good. As all you things can see, I've
0: good. got a hoodie on and a backwards hat, so I, <laughs> I'm not so, necessarily ready for prime time. Yeah, so,
1: so next time, next time, next time. Yeah, so Jillian, and am I pronouncing your name right, Hishaw? I'm almost,
2: it's Hishaw, like high Hishaw. And- Hishaw. Oh,
1: Hishaw. Yes. Yes, Hishaw. Hishaw, Okay, I thought it could be Hishaw, but I said, let me just try the Hishaw part, Hishaw. Well, it's good to have you, Jillian. It's very good Thank to you have Thank you so much. You. Tell us about the book. Tell us about the book, because I also want to get into the farms. So, tell us about the book that you've written.
2: Yes. So, I started writing systematic land theft in 2007, and it started off as a white paper uh, when I worked for the state, the Missouri Department of Conservation. I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. And um, in 2009, I used the white paper to create a course as an adjunct professor and then um, went on and kept writing throughout the years and just published it last year and it's formatted as a textbook. But, um, since I know a lot of people don't read textbooks, I've, um, kind of reformatted it, uh, the past three or four months, um, into a more traditional nonfiction book. And, um, it has 12 chapters and it basically documents the history of U.S. land theft, specifically in Black and Indigenous tribal communities. Okay,
1: okay. And you know what? There are a lot of things that, that uh, cross my mind when you talk about land theft as it relates to um, Black farmers. And I was talking with someone last night, um, Dr. Maurice Franklin. Who has so much information on land theft and where we have come, the places that we have gone, and not uh, not saying anything, just letting it go, as in with uh, Bruce's Beach in California, and that I'm sure you're familiar with Bruce's Beach. Yes, ma'am. Right, and and that was was a horrible thing. I don't even know which was worse, the massacre in Tulsa or Bruce's Beach, both atrocities that no one in this country has been held accountable for. And so, how, is it, how is it that all of these things happen, plus the, the farmers in this country who were promised all that money last year and never got a dime?
2: Yes ma'am um it is uh just you know it it is atrocious uh unfortunately Bruce's Beach is not the worst case that I have seen um throughout my 20 years uh in ag and environmental law unfortunately and um just within my own nonprofit we receive uh, you know calls about similar cases or um, worser cases um, on a weekly basis unfortunately. And so the problem here is that it dates back to you know the treaty agreements. it dates back to the way English law was established and the regulations were written and how the regulations were basically written to dispossess uh, if they did possess uh, black folk, and tribal uh, nations in particular, out of their land. And so it's very purposeful um, when it comes to the regulations and the policy. And then, of course, the, you know, just the whole system of discriminatory practices, particularly with USDA, um, has dispossessed particularly Black farmers out of 90% of their land. And so in the early 1900s, we used to own upwards to 16 to 20 million, but unfortunately, we have lost 90 percent of that land. Whoa, you're kidding.
0: So I, you're doing a lot of work in this area, and I have to ask, you know, you know we read these things, of course, the Bruce's Beach situation, and and we've read over the years about black farmers not getting the fair deal. You know, with with regards right. to and with mm-hmm. regards to contracts to provide food and all those sorts of things. With all the work that you're doing, how much traction is this getting from a political standpoint? Are you hearing from lawmakers? Would be they Congress people, local people? Are you? Is there any political attraction coming from all of your work?
2: Yes, it is. And I tell them, you know, my policy recommendations. But do they listen to me? You know from my perspective, no. Um, and so I really don't have any full faith in, um, policymakers at this point. Uh, to me, um, I see more traction and more wins in court or working on a state level, like with Bruce's beach, with Bruce's beach, you know, this, the state of California took uh, the beach through eminent domain and it was the governor that reinstated, you know, ownership back to the family. That wasn't right. the federal government. Hmm. And so if you're hanging your head on the federal government, you know, it's you're going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You'll be waiting, you know, a long time, unfortunately, like the farmers have been particularly with what's called the Black Farmers Suit, which is um, legally known as Pickford v. Glickman. And that was filed in 1997 and settled um, in the, I believe, in 99. And, you know, it's 25 years later and they're still waiting. They're still waiting for the enforcement of the settlement agreement and they're still waiting for debt relief. And so it was supposed to be um, given in the American Rescue Plan, Section 1005 and 1006. Right. But um, unfortunately, you know, that did not um, come to be under VILSAC. And, um, you know, it was supposed to be um, also um, enforced as far as civil rights complaints and process in a moratorium, in 2008, you know, we've seen this um, sad song again, not just in March of last year, but in 2008, the legislature, you know, uh, tried to get USDA to, you know, basically um, comply with what they promised in the consent decree. And yet again, under Vilsack, um, you know, then it was the Obama administration and now it's Biden. Uh, with VILSEC, you know, this is a three-term ag secretary, and the legislature under this ag secretary, you know, passed different regulatory um, protections for the farmers and things like this, and yet again, you know, there's no oversight, there's no enforcement, there's no teeth, so what's the point of passing policy? What's the point of passing a bill if there's no enforcement behind it? it's just worth right. on paper and it's a waste of paper right right so last
1: year the the amount of money that they were that the black farmers were supposed to get wasn't that around 5 billion yes and they didn't get it and John Boyd went on national television to say that the black farmers were they were promised this money they never got it nobody has said anything how can it be enforced and
2: well, they included, they included another section in the Build Back Better bill, but, you know, yet again, it's politics and um, the farmers are passing away, unfortunately, which is, you know, what they want to see. Yes, it is. Yeah. And, they still, just, um, and it's, it's
1: almost like it's a waiting game and they figure they've got all the time in the world. We can wait until, yeah, wait. just they'll wait as long as it takes because they're not going to
0: move. You know, it's interesting. And from a political standpoint, and, you know, perception is very important and words, very important. I do recall that. And they were talking about the black farmers were supposed to get X, Y, and Z. And of course the white farmers, you know, got their panties, you know, upset. Mm -hmm. Why do you know, of course they, they've gotten everything that the government's from, you know, beginning of time, but all of a sudden, when we say we're going to give the black farmers something, they have a problem with that. And I think that's because of the wording and they don't, preface it with you guys, and I'm not saying this is the exact words, but you guys have got yours, we've got to give these guys a break. we've got to give them something. That's not happening. That is not happening. So, so Jillian, what, what is, what is the long-term um, uh, resolution? Do we just continue to fight the good fight? Uh, what is the prognosis for uh, change in this area?
2: Well, I mean, the uh, policymakers that included um, Basically, the debt relief in the Build Back Better bill eliminated the um, criteria of race and focused on the economics of the situation. And so, um, you know, what they did was really great in including that in the Build Back Better bill, and hopefully that'll be passed because um, the white farmers, you are correct, did file suit, um, and to be more specific, twelve to be exact um, last I had count of in 12 different states and 12 you know different federal courts and you know all stating you know reverse discrimination uh under the equal protection clause and so um you know it's very cumbersome when you're you know depending on um the federal legislature uh for relief because the relief was supposed to come 25 years ago and many of the lead claimants unfortunately um, you know have passed away and they they did not get the relief that they you know were were languishing on um you know uh but you know to put a positive note on it it you know bruce's beach um reclamation was a positive definitely um i definitely see that there would be more traction on the state level than the federal level um and then also there's definitely initiatives of people purchasing Various tracts of land collectively, um, and residing on, you know, six acre, five acre partials, um, within each family, um, on a, like a 200 acre track. Right. And owning land collectively, you know, is definitely another resolution, um, to the fact that, you know, in the black community in particular, we lose 30,000 acres per year in land ownership. And that's why, um, farms website is 30,000acres.org and that's numbers, not words. And so that is a vast amount of land. And unfortunately, you know, it, 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 the numbers keep dwindling. And so according to the 2017 USDA census of, uh, black landowners, so, According to those numbers, they we own collectively about four point five million acres of farmland, um, but they're including the numbers. To me, are skewed. They're including uh, gardeners like urban garden people. What? And yes, yes. They they've started giving the urban uh, garden people with a four by four plot on a city lot a farm number. What? Yes, to inflate the numbers because out of all of the demographics, uh, Black farmers had the lowest numbers. And so, um, you know, it's just another way of USDA to um, basically, I don't know, just not tell the story correctly. Yeah. And and not tell the story that they're dispossessing Black folk, you know, of land, particularly during COVID. So... Right. And
1: and this is not new. This is not new and it's not unusual. And no. to inflate the numbers and to dispossess the black farmers and, and to give them nothing. And this is, I, I think for white folks, this is just par for the course. This is just what they do. And because it has taken so many years us to say enough is enough and we're going to stand up and do something about the things, the atrocities that have been committed against us. Here it is now. uh, uh, DeMario Solomon Simmons started the lawsuit against Tulsa. And I believe that began in either 20 or 21. And why, why did it take so long? Why did it take so long? What you've been involved in, john boyd and all that he's doing it takes us forever and then just like with crt it doesn't want nobody wants to have anything to do with crt so the battle is back and forth teaching critical race theory why nobody wants to be responsible for that nobody wants to be held accountable for that so to me it goes back to what we've done or haven't done in so many years and we're we're it's almost like we're picking up the pieces and those who are in strategic places are saying, so what? No, not, no, it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter now. And attorneys are fighting tooth and nail. People are fighting tooth and nail for what's right. And it should not matter. And just as you said, inflating the numbers that does not help black farmers. That doesn't help black folks at all. So, you know,
0: it's it, it's kinda like what's what's happening over in South Africa where uh some of the black folks are trying to take their land back and the white people are all upset. They're coming in, they're stealing our land. I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you guys did, you know, hundred years ago. Right. And it's always interesting the way it goes back like that.
1: Yeah, and, and the way that it something. right. The way that it plays out, it's almost as if we didn't count then and we don't count now. And we know hey, that's basically what it is. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Does your book focus on any of this?
2: Yes, it focuses on South Africa, it focuses on Zimbabwe and the United States. Okay. Okay. And um, you know, but also you can't just you can't just look at, you know, the white man, the white man this, the white man that, because some of my cases don't involve white people. Mm-hmm. Some of my cases involve Black people still in Black, other Black folk land. So, um, you know, collectively, we need to do better by each other. Um, You know, we, to me, there's this constant obsession in talking about white people, white people. But to me, if we start changing the conversation and focusing more on, you know, ourselves and collective empowerment then the narrative can change yeah and so mm-hmm. if you continue to focus on conversations um you know about politics and you know the white senators and all of this uh nothing will get done it's just a distraction and you know we keep feeding into this distraction but if we start focusing on uplifting ourselves then there's no more distraction.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm. you're. I
2: believe you're right.
1: In fact, I know that you're right. And the distraction is what's important because as long as we're distracted, we're not going to empower ourselves. We're not going to lift each other up because of those distractions. Correct. So you're, 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 absolutely, you're absolutely right. And we on this network, our focus is to change the narrative. And there are a lot of things that we have to stop doing, stop blaming them, because based on what I see and read and hear and watch, uh, we're no longer a threat. We're not a threat to anyone but ourselves. So as long as we continue the, down the path that we're going, nobody has to care. And we've got to stop thinking that they've, they're going to change it for us. We've got to do it. Ourselves.
0: Yeah, I have a question. You donated nearly two million pounds of produce to five different countries. Yes, that's a lot of shopping. At uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes
0: tell us about oh, that.
1: Yes, please.
2: So farms was started um, a little over nine years ago. We have three different programs. Uh, one, of course, is our legal services where we focus on elder care of aging farmers primarily and farm foreclosure prevention. And the second program is our Farmers Emergency Fund. And then the third program, as you mentioned, is our food bank program. And so the food bank program uh, operates not only in the U.S., but also internationally. And the premise of the program is a holistic model and that's to purchase uh, produce from the farmers that would usually be composted, and then it's donated in the farmer's community. Mm, Okay, and what inspired you to write the book? My grandfather. uh, He was raised on a farm in Oklahoma. I'm, again, born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. And um, when he relocated to uh, Kansas City, Along with my great-grandmother, they hired a lawyer to pay the property tax on um, the 40-acre farm in Muskogee, but the lawyer stole the money and our land was sold in a tax lien sale without notice being given. And so um, according to my elders that went to see uh, my grandfather's um, house decades ago, uh, there's now an oil pump going up and down because um, apparently the, I believe the lawyer also knew that the land had known oil deposits. And so, you know, this isn't, um, unfortunately, an exception. I have cases right now in 2022 that mimic, uh, you know, my own family's land loss uh, uh, saga or whatever. And so, um that's the reason why I wrote the book. That's the reason why I do the work.
1: And you know what? Uh, as you're talking about that, something comes to mind. Two things. We one we could be related. Our mother was born in uh, Missouri. Our father was born in Oklahoma. Next, my father, my father's mother, my grandmother, had property in Oklahoma City, and apparently the property was either taken away or something happened to the property. My father asked me to look into it and gave me a folder full of documents. When I started looking into it, I couldn't believe what I was reading. There were rights to the property because the property had, I believe it was water and something else on it. And there were all of these, what what looked like, and I don't know for sure, I don't know, but it looked like it was fabricated documents or documents that were there to throw off what was really going on. Well, my father and my aunt decided they didn't want to have anything to do with it, they were just going to let it go. The attorney that was handling it did not do one thing in their favor. The next thing I knew, they put the property up for sale. The woman who was supposed to handle it sent her husband down to the courthouse so that he could bid on it. He bid on that property and took it. He bid something like $30 on it, something crazy. And he got it. And my father and my aunt never got anything for that property. And there, were, there was water on the property and something else. I don't remember what the other one was. But for sure, there was water on it because my grandmother would get a check. She would get a residual check, a small amount for the water that was on the property. And my father and my aunt never heard or got anything else from it. Gone. Yes.
2: Yes. Unfortunately, um, you know, your case just like my own family's is, is not uncommon. Um, you know, it, it is unfortunate. And I, d- I do have another one more call that I have to make tonight. So I, I, I do have to get, get going here in a few minutes, but, um, but unfortunately it's just, it's, it's very deceptive. You know, people mm-hmm. will um, stay just, you know, in the tax assessor's office all day, you know, uh, until they close and so, you know, these are, that's just another way of how we lose, um, land. It's not just USDA, but it's so many different ways. And that's all outlined, um, in my book. Okay. And
1: tell us about farms if you can.
2: Well, yes, like I, um, had mentioned before we own three programs. Um, I mean, sorry, we operate three programs, um, One is our legal services. The second is our farmers emergency fund. And then the third is our um, food bank program. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And so who participates in the program and and where does it go? Where is it located? Can you tell us that?
2: Yes, ma'am. So we're based in the Carolinas, uh, South Carolina, and it operates nationally here in the US and then, of course, internationally in the Caribbean, uh, South India, and Sierra Leone. And um, we primarily service rural farmers. We do not uh, provide services to urban gardeners, uh, but only rural farmers.
1: Okay. And what do you do in servicing those farmers?
2: Well, um, we provide legal services to the farmers. So elder care, uh, estate planning, farm foreclosure, uh, the second program we offer, um, it's called the Farmers Emergency Fund. So we provide financial assistance to farmers that are in financial crisis. Mm-hmm. So whether that's natural disaster relief, um, coverage of, of seed, purchases, tractor repair, things of this nature. And then the third, um, as I mentioned, is the, um, food bank program. Mm-hmm. I would so, uh, like
0: to mention to our to our listeners uh, on, on your website Jillian and there's a wealth of information on here tips to consider when purchasing land difference between a B corp and versus a farm cooperative so for the listeners if you're interested in in this type of information again there's a wealth of information out here with regard to the programs and everything that you do and that that is actually phenomenal that you have this out there now Great.
1: Are, are you Thanks so much okay one more question do you represent the National Black Farmers Association? No. Okay. Okay. And so that's that's a different attorney and a, a different a different thing altogether. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. So we were certainly thinking we were told you were going to be with us for the entire hour. We did have a whole lot more to talk to you about. So I'm I'm oh, disappointed.
2: I, well, I'm sorry I didn't get yeah, I didn't get much um, information. I was hoping for questions um, to prepare and, and all of this, but I can stay on a little bit longer. Um, you know, well, so- okay, yes.
1: if you can stay a little bit longer, can you go a little bit more in depth about farms? Sure.
2: Um, so, again, we have uh, three different program areas. We've been um, in operation for a little over nine years. Um, what, what, exact, what exactly would you like to know specifically?
1: How do people get involved? What are you doing with the individuals that may use your services or need your services? And with the farmers, especially the Black farmers, of course, How do they get involved and what are some of the outcomes that have taken place?
2: So, um, for one, the legal services, uh, the legal services are vastly limited and we have a wait list of a year and a half. So at the moment, we're not accepting any new legal clients, uh, because a lot of these cases take years, unfortunately, to resolve, Um, And so at the moment, um, we're just working the cases that we have. And a lot of that is estate planning matters, um, foreclosure prevention cases, um, things of that nature. In regards to the food bank program, um, you can sign up if you would like to sell your produce to um, our uh, food bank program. You can sign up on our website. uh, Click on the services tab. And there's a sign-up sheet, and so you can sign up, and we're more than happy to get in contact with you. And we purchase produce um, from farmers, uh, particularly across the country, but we primarily um, work in the southeast, And um, but we're trying to expand more out west. And um, we pay primarily market value or as close as we can, and then it's all donated in the farmer's community. So are you? Go ahead. I'm sorry. The third program is our Farmers Emergency Fund, and we um, have been in the process of um, an open um, invitation for farmers that um, are in financial crisis at the moment, but uh, we just met um, our goal for the month, and so we'll announce on our website um, when we will be accepting new uh, requests for that. And so that program covers um, from medical expenses, again, to tractor repair, um, natural disaster relief, things of that nature. Okay, so the farmers that that
1: are right now popping up in Georgia, in the Carolinas, are you working with those people now?
2: In regards to what?
1: Uh, okay. what they're, well, what they're doing. Uh, I've read a little bit about of what, they're, what they're doing. There are several Black families that have purchased land who are now doing farming, and they're doing everything. They're planting vegetables, of course. Uh, I don't have all of the details, but I have seen that there are quite a few Black families that have bought land, they're now farming, and they're asking for participants in this area. Are you? Put, yes,
2: that's what I was mentioning before, which is really great initiative of people um, collectively purchasing land uh, right. as a group. And, um, you know, and so again, that's one of the resolutions to how we can own land collectively. Um, I'm not involved with um, those, those groups, but I do love what they're doing. Right, I do too. How do we get
1: people? in our community to understand how important this is? How do we get people to change what they're doing, that this is important and rap is not? How do we get them to change, to look at this and see that this is so important?
2: Just education and outreach primarily. So just continuing to educate people, um, you know, about the amount of land loss that we're losing, about how, um, they can protect their land um, if they do own land, um, ways to purchase land. And I'll be um, offering various webinars and courses on my website, jillianhyshaw.com, here in the next month or so. Um, if people are interested, they can sign up on my website and subscribe. And so uh, to me, that's definitely um, the first step is... To education and outreach. That's why I've written not only systematic land theft, but my first book is Don't Bet the Farm on Medicaid. And um, it goes into detail about how nursing homes are taking um, land in rural communities, as well as homes in um, in city areas.
0: I, I was going to ask you about that. Don't Bet the Farm, farm on Medicaid. On Medicaid. That, that whole, how did you put that together? And you just said something about the Nursing homes are taking property?
2: Yes, through a Medicaid lien. And so people don't realize that when you qualify and sign up for Medicaid, if you have um, property in your name and you owe an outstanding debt to the nursing home, they have the federal authority. Yes, ma'am? No, go ahead. We're listening. They have the federal authority to place a lien on your land. Uh And so that is another way that we lose so much land. And so if you want to learn more, um, that's a really great educational resource, you know, are my books. So that's two books. Don't Bet
1: the Farm on Medicaid.
0: Medicaid.
1: Yeah. And most folks do not know that. Most folks do not know. And I got a lesson. I called a place in Altadena and they wanted people to have $400,000 in the bank or $400,000 worth of property. And that is exactly right, because if if you miss a payment and they place a lien, they get to take that property. Most people are completely unaware of that. They're completely right. unaware. Right,
2: unfortunately. Of that. And so that um, is another great resource for education. Don't bet the far, where are your books sold?
0: Only on my website.
1: Okay, only on your website. And that's Jillian. Yep.
0: Hyshaw.com. Jillian com. Yes. I've got it up here. Yeah.
2: Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. So there's a, there's a few um, bookstores that are carrying the systematic land theft, but they're only carrying the limited edition, which is the abbreviated version of the book. But the full book is only sold at Jillian and And um, the Don't Bet the Farm on Medicaid is only sold at Jillian Okay. And so the short book for Systematic Land Theft um, currently is sold at the Doc Shop in Fort Worth, Texas, as well as um, Sankofa Books in D.C., Malik Books in L.A. as well. Okay.
1: Okay. I'm going to look for the book because I, I am really interested in your books, number one. Number two, Black Farmers. And Black Farmers have not been given the attention that they so richly deserve. And for decades, Black farmers have been forgotten about. They've been given nothing, no help. And what has been done to them, it's an atrocity. And nobody's standing up for the Black farmers. And it's time for all of us to stand up for the Black farmers. They've contributed to this country. Their families, their ancestors, their fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers have contributed to this country and nobody's
2: standing up for the black farmers.
0: And I see Jillian, there's another book on your side, quick guide to purchasing land abroad.
2: Yeah. So there's several e-guides as well. So there's a free e-guide that deals particularly with Medicaid liens and estate planning. And then there is a, also an e-guide if you are interested in um, purchasing land internationally, I have also worked on um, various projects internationally, particularly in Africa, on um, land purchases there. And so I wrote a quick e-guide um, for folks that, you know, want to um, purchase land abroad as well.
0: Okay. I, I know we don't have a little lot of time left, but how risky is it purchasing property abroad?
2: Um, it depends if you're an absentee owner um, compared to if you're staying there. Um, in particular, if you are staying there, then it's it's not that risky. Uh, but if you are kind of an absentee owner and you're leasing, then a lot of the type of um, challenges that we have here in the States is also prevalent um, internationally. And so it's, you know, always important to have your paperwork and title in order, no matter where, you know, your land is, but it's, it's just more logical to purchase land where you're, where you're living. Living, And so if you, you know, a lot of people are moving to Ghana, what have you. So if you plan on moving to Ghana, then it's really important to, um, you know, stay there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: What do you foresee for,
1: for landowners, for Black farmers? What do you foresee in the future? Do you think it's going to get any better for the Black farmers, especially those who are, who are coming up now? Do you think things are going to get any better?
2: Well, hopefully, I, I think that if we continue to purchase land collectively, it'll get better and not be dependent on USDA as a lending source. Um, and so... You know, so I I see positives, but, you know, you also have the negatives of, you know, the same tactics of um, federal and non-federal predatory um, companies and entities that that continue to dispossess um, us out of land. Right, right. And I do
1: know that uh, the governor in California, Newsom, and... um, Oh, God, I can't think of her name it saved me that quick. Uh, they were supposed to make sure that the money that was lost, that family got their money back. And there was a ceremony. They got the land back. They got the beach back. They put up a, a, a headstone, so to speak, a monument. But nothing has been said in terms of whether or not they have been made whole again. And they probably they probably are looking at this going away because they were talking about something like $27 million. And I don't believe they've gotten that money. I don't believe they've gotten that.
2: Yeah. I, I, yes, I, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I don't know anything about, um, about that case, um, in regards to that, but hopefully, you know, they'll, eventually get it um because it is due but unfortunately you know whether it's the state or the federal government you know false promises um you know it has been common so yeah
1: yeah and that's exactly what John Boyd said about the farmers getting the 5 billion dollars it was a it was a false promise and it was part of that build back better package that has not and that money hasn't been seen
2: and he spent Well, that- that's originally it was part of the American Rescue Plan. And then um they added it into the built back better. But um but yes, it, it's just another false promise, unfortunately. Right. And how do you how do you deal with those
1: false promises? How do people how do they find what they what they really are looking for? How do they get that? Because these are false promises of the yin-yang, which we've experienced for hundreds of years. And no one wants to be held accountable for the false promises. And nobody, and just as you said, it's important that we do it for ourselves. And how do you hold those who make
2: promises, how do you hold them accountable? I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, we've tried legislatively. We've tried in court. You know, with Pickford v. Glickman, um, as as I just stated, is which is known as the Black Farmer Suit. Um, to me, it's just collective um, purchasing of land that you know seems very promising at the moment. And in that collective purchasing of land
1: how that that's a, the greatest way to get things going and do you forget about holding folks accountable and just forge ahead or do you do both
2: well realistically I believe we you know we do both so yeah I, I do know, agree I do I agree. believe you know both are needed right both are
1: definitely needed and I I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see enough attorneys, enough people such as yourself who are stepping up to the plate saying, we have to do something about this. Those who are willing to represent, whether it's the black farmers or taking on initiatives and doing some of the things that you're doing. I don't hear about other people doing it. Do you?
2: No, there's very few of me. Um, There, you know, there isn't, a lot of money just in particular, in general, in public service, um, law, but, um, you know, it's a very niche, uh, type of law. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so after I finished up my JD, I got my legal master's in agricultural law at Arkansas and Fayetteville. And I've been, you know, practicing in this area, um, you know, over 15 years and then 22 years total with environmental policy and, and, um, science. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there really, um, isn't anyone, you know, like me, um, that is doing the work. Um, it's very few and far between because, I mean, a lot of the work is self-funded at times and, um, you know, you, you know, you need support and you ask for support, but it just doesn't come in, but you just keep, you know, moving forward, um, because you're committed to the mission. But, um, but, you know, when you look at the pros and the cons, I mean, you know, you have to Really, you know, be realistic when you're a lawyer and you need to pay back your student loans. You need to provide for your family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to take all of those things into consideration as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of those things, uh,
1: sometimes they suffer, unfortunately. And it goes back to uh, Black folks have been suffering for how many years? We can't count them anymore. So what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. That's why when I saw some of the things that I saw on LinkedIn, I was so excited about you coming onto the show. And I, I've said to so many people, uh, Jillian, who represents the farmers, the black farmers and all of, of what black farmers are trying to do. So it's really important that your message, your books, the information that you have, it's important that it get out. We, we don't want this in Kept a Secret or in a Silo. Next week, uh, it was important, I'm sorry, it was important that we kick off Black History Month talking about the opportunities that people have, that Black folks have in farming and listening to your story and what you're doing and the accomplishments that you've made and the strides that you've made. You're making it possible for people to see things in a different light. Next week, we have uh, William Bill Cole. Who is uh, the co-founder of what is it? Green Acres, the Green Acres organization, and he's. Excuse me. It's a great yes. So he's going to be on. So it's real important. It's vital that people know what you're doing. If they understand what you're doing, and that your mission get out to the world, it's very very important. That's why I felt that. It was so important to have you on to talk about this. Because yes, ma'am. The conversation has got to be had. Well, we thank you so much for being with us. You did stay with us. We really appreciate it. And we want to make sure that people understand what you're doing, where you're going with this, and why it's so important. And you've got the message out. We're going to keep getting the message out. We're going to keep mentioning your name and what you're doing. As often as we can, because it is critical to the, to Black people in this country. It is critical.
2: So, so great. well Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I encourage all of your listeners to purchase the book. They are very great resources, um, and it provides not only um, a history of land theft, but also um, legal legal um, advice. Yes. you know what you need to do re- specifically regarding estate planning and, and things of this nature. So, well, great. Thank you so much. We're going to get the information out there.
1: Uh, the www is that 30, 30,000. 30, oh, I'm sorry, 30,000 acres.org and to donate and to also purchase your books and get the information so that people can make these informed decisions about land. And about Medicaid, folks don't know. They stick their people in these homes thinking it's okay, and it really isn't. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We really, really appreciate it. And thank you for being on here with us on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. Great information, and the work that you're doing is phenomenal.
2: Thank you so much. Have a good night, Mr. Um, Hendricks and Ms. Williams. Thank you again.
1: Thank you you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night.
0: Oh, thank you is so much joy